It was the slap heard round the world. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. I'm back to a brand new episode of the Quarterly Report Podcast, episode 210. It's been so long. I don't think I've talked to you guys since the Super Bowl. It's been since the Super Bowl. There's been so many things popping off in my life. I'm assuming there's been so many things popping off in yours. We can get to all of that. But the most important thing is, you know what? We're going to do things a little bit differently on the show. I want you always to remember you can stay engaged with me. You can tweet at me at quarterly show. That's Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E show. Email me at quarterly report at gmail.com. Or you can tweet at my personal account, Armon, A-R-M-O-N underscore Lee. Uh, that's at A-R-M-O-N underscore Lee. There's so many ways. I want to make sure that we all stay engaged. And I appreciate each and every one of you all for rocking with me these last two months, really. But again, we've got so much to discuss. We've got Oscars, Will Smith. It's smacking Bama's. And in almost in any other realm, if somebody smacks somebody, I could be, I could rock with that. But I'm going to tell you why. That's really the biggest sucker move that Will Smith or any celebrity has done in recent memory, at least for me. Also, Snowfall, man. We back. It's a brand new season. And once again, Franklin Saint knows wide open and shit's fucking up all around him. I'm going to give you my ideas, my thoughts, my feelings about the latest season of Snowfall thus far. But all of that comes after our first topic, which is obviously a new national champion in college basketball. It's our first topic this week. First quarter. You know, they say America loves a redemption story, but that's essentially what we got Monday night as Bill Self and the Kansas Jayhawks kind of made things right for that 2020 team who, if you guys remember, they were the odds-on favorites to win everything that year. They were clearly the best team in college basketball. And that doesn't necessarily mean you cut nets at the end of the year, but it was almost like a foregone conclusion that they that team was uh, destined for greatness. But because of COVID and the shutdown, they didn't get a chance. You know, they didn't get a chance to compete. And this kind of felt good, man. Like, as they say, the storybook ending, I'm not even a Kansas fan. I don't like Kansas at all. I feel like their style of play isn't necessarily uh, the most... Uh, aesthetically pleasing but that game Monday night was very very much a, a fun game and you know I want to take some time to 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 kind of give Bill Self and that team some flowers you know my guy let me tell you something I have watched whatever the bear like literally zero seconds of college basketball is this season I'm like one rung up I watched the the, the least possible amount of college basketball this year. So I'm coming into the tournament basically job blind. You know, I know the teams were good last year. I watched a decent amount of college basketball last year. I mean, I didn't watch the conference tournaments, nothing. You feel me? So I had a good idea of like the teams were good last year who kept some good players. As an NBA fan, I have an idea of the players who are uh, rumored to be like top high lottery selections. But it was fun just to kind of sit back and watch. And Monday night was the first time I watched Kansas all year. Like a complete game. And let me say this first. My man, Remy motherfucking Martin. This dude, I ain't know nothing about Buddy. All I knew when I saw him for the first time, he had this little debarge curl, but dry as hell. I was like, okay, this guy, 
I thought he was probably going to be a cornball, but I knew his ass could shoot. And Lord have mercy. As soon as this Bama got the ball, I'm talking about the ball don't even hit the rim. Just And after the game, oh, shit, Remy was giving it up. I was like, that's my guy. But they had some 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 characters on Kansas. My man Lightfoot, aka Count Dracula, Slim. I'm sitting on the I'm sitting on the couch with my girl, man. We watched the game, and as soon as I see his face, I'm like, oh, he looked like he dirty. Two seconds later, this motherfucker foul Alabama off a rebound. Ain't nobody like he's not even really trying to get a rebound. He had four fouls in what felt like ten minutes. I was like, yeah, he's a dickhead. But then they had my man, what, David uh, McLemore. I don't even know his name. Big boy down low. Charles Barkley was giving him hell in the halftime, saying that against Villanova, a team that I'm very familiar with, you know, that he was punishing them because, you know, Villanova is a very fast, quick, you know, almost precision-based team, not really big bodies. Charles Barkley's giving this dude hell, man, saying that he's, He's not playing up against a bunch of munchkins like he did versus Villanova, but he he had the the game ceiling hook shot with seconds remaining. Kansas, you can tell whether you watch them a lot or whether, like me, it was the first time you saw them this season. You can tell Bill Self is a hell of a coach. These guys knew who they were. Outside of my man, number ten, what was his name Collins, and he may just had a, had a, a hell of a night, man. Buddy was missing, laying at the land. I I felt bad for him. You in New Orleans, you a young man, you know, you know you're on national TV, you playing for a championship, and Bama's looking at you like Slum. What the fuck is he doing? That gotta hurt. That has to hurt. But you know, he came through, played, played big in the second half, made some real clutch moments, but outside of him, Everybody on that team knew their role. Even my man, uh, OG, 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 again, I don't, not rocking with the team. He's going to be an NBA player, but he's going to be, I mean, you could tell my man does well in college. He's one of those college players. God bless him. Maybe I'm wrong. It won't be the first time I'll be wrong. Probably won't be the first time or the only time I'm wrong during this show. You feel me? But you can see it. You've seen guys like that. He's an athletic dude for college, but he's not. His athleticism doesn't pop off the screen. So you know when he's in the in the league, he's probably going to kind of maybe he can carve out a really good role playing niche for himself. But it was impressive seeing a guy who's going to be a pro struggle because he didn't have a great game. But that doesn't then knock off the team. You know what I'm saying? Braun came in, Christian Braun came in, literally just ignited that second half run. And all of that is a testament to Bill Self. And again, man, you can feel however you feel about Bill Self, how about however you feel about the Kansas uh, Jayhawk program. But that was an impressive 15. I mean, they came back from 15 points in what felt like five minutes. Like that game at halftime felt like it was not competitive. It was like, dog, Hubert Davis, I don't even want to tell you what I felt about Hubert. But, you know, God bless that man. It felt like they had that thing won. I'm on Twitter. I got some friends who actually went to UNC. They they out there popping champagne already. Like, they ain't got 20. When I say that was the fastest 15-point deficit that I had ever seen, dog, I'm talking about you could go down to the courts, run and shoot, 
a black top. Diamonds don't come back from 15 points like that. You, you know what I mean? Let alone players with NBA talent. In North Carolina, dog, you know they got that's a good team. They've got good players on that team. They gave that shit up so quick, man. I was stunned. It was so funny. My girl was like, yo, Hubert Davis needs to do something. And I'm thinking to myself at the at that moment, I'm like, yeah, man, he probably want to stay composed. He wants to make sure he has uh, put forth a, a strong face or energy so his team doesn't follow suit and panics. Then that lead just kept on dwindling. And I'm like, nah, baby, you're right. He need to call a timeout or something. I, it was amazing. And again, Kansas' best player. Kansas' player who will be in the pros next year. He didn't play well. I mean, it was a fun game. It was very fun to watch, particularly given that I didn't have a rooting interest. I saw on Twitter earlier this week someone was saying, a great basketball game isn't beautiful, it's traumatic. And it's the fun, it's the realest shit ever, bro. If you have a rooting interest in a basketball game that's good, it is literally the worst feeling ever until your team wins. If your team wins, then you can celebrate. But you can't actually enjoy anything. It's so bad. Fortunately for me, my favorite basketball team is absolute garbage and has been garbage since I've been an adult. But I remember those old Nick games when they were actually good. And I don't enjoy any of those memories. I enjoy like looking back on them. But during those games, it's painful. If you are a North Carolina or a Kansas fan, if you're Kansas, obviously you enjoy it. You enjoy that you won. That time watching that game could not have been enjoyable. And UNC fans, well, you know, God bless. Y'all got enough championships. I ain't, I ain't feeling too bad for you. But that was a fun game, man. And I'm not the biggest college basketball guy. If you listen to this show for any amount of time, you know that I'm much more on the NBA, much more of an NBA fan. And I think what you need to do, as I've grown I've, uh, and matured, I've realized that you have to look at the NBA and the college game as two totally different sports. Because if you watch college basketball expecting NBA play, you're obviously going to be disappointed. And this is not a, a trying to start a debate about which sport is better. People like what they like. Okay, and as an NBA guy, I can watch college basketball, especially that national championship game, particularly much of the tournament that I watched. It was fun. It was good, entertaining basketball. Is it something that I can watch every game day in and day out? No. Am I one of those people who feel like college players play harder than the NBA players and that they 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 hustle and they play defense better and all that other stuff? Y'all know what I'm talking about. Absolutely not. But that's okay. I can watch Monday night's game and be completely invested, completely engaged, and completely entertained without a rooting interest outside of my guy, Remy Martin. Man, I, I know, I know for a fact my guy, Remy, he was smelling like Remy and Henny after that night on bourbon. I can't imagine how much fun those guys had. God bless them, man, for real. Because... If you're going to win a national championship game, unless you win like maybe Miami, maybe LA, Vegas, what better place than New Orleans, bro? What? You know what I'm saying? I can just imagine because, you know, some of those guys, they older, upper, upper classmen. I mean, these guys, Remy's like 22, 23, so he a grown man. 
he can fully enjoy himself. Some of those guys, 19, you know, I'm sure they'll they'll let certain certain things slide on a, a special occasion like that. I'm sure uh, the boosters at Kansas took care of the guys Monday night. But all in all, it was a fun game to enjoy, to sit as an NBA fan looking at players, projecting them in the, on the next level. I don't necessarily know, you know, how much uh, elite-level talent we'll see from this game on the next level. And that's okay. But because whether Remy is an NBA player, whether Braun is an NBA player, uh, or any of those guys, right? Lightfoot, any of the Collins, none of those guys may be uh, someone that you you actually pay attention to on the next level if they make it to the next level in, in any way. You can sit there and watch that game, sit there and see the big boys battling down low. You can see the hustle. You can see the heart. And more importantly, you can see how great of a head coach Bill Self is, as if his championships already doesn't prove it. Last night, Monday night, excuse me, it was a testament to his brilliance. And, you know, he had a, a difficult 2022, as, which was talked about, really was actually uncomfortable for me, listening to the way uh, Nance and the crew talked about his father passing. But, you know, I have a certain sensitivity that, that most people may not have. Um but I'm just happy for him and happy for that organization, despite the fact that I don't like Kansas basketball. I was very, very impressed with the game on Monday night. But let me know what you guys think. You know, I talked about the College Basketball National Championship. How did your brackets go? A little flex on my behalf. Uh, I won my work bracket. Wasn't really fair. You know, but hey, again, I didn't watch a lot of college basketball this year. So I'm going to take my flowers since nobody's going to give them to me. I enjoy kicking my coworkers' ass in this tournament. But how did you do? Let me know what you think about the game. Let me know what you think about your brackets. Let me know what you think about next year's college basketball uh, season. I'm all ears. Email me at quarterlyreport at gmail.com. Tweet at the show at quarterly show or tweet at me, A-R-M-O-N underscore L-E-E on Twitter. All right, guys. That's the biggest thing that happened in sports this week. But the biggest thing that has happened in the world of entertainment, even though it didn't happen this past week, oh man, the, the aftermath is still being felt. We're talking about the slap heard around the world. So second topic. Second quarter. It is amazing to me, at least, how willing so many of you all, maybe not you all, not y'all, if you're listening to this show, it can't be you. You feel me? If you're listening to the Quarterly Report podcast, I know this ain't you. But I'm speaking, when I say y'all, I'm not talking about you guys listening. I'm talking about y'all, meaning macro, everybody else. Because again, those of you who've got the uh, the integrity, you feel me, to listen to the Quarterly Report podcast, I don't have to worry about y'all. But all the mother battles, it is amazing how anxious so many of y'all are, not y'all, but, you know, the world is to showcase how much of a sucker they can be and how many people are so eager to ring the alarm to alert the world that they cannot fight. Slim, let me put it to you like this. Everybody ain't a fighter. Dog, trust me. It ain't even a big deal. I'm grown. I'm 39 years old. I've only thought about fighting one person probably in the, like the last... 12, 13 years. You feel me? So 
This ain't no big, bad, tough, woof, woof thing. That's nothing like that. So some of you guys probably like, man, well, Armand, what are you talking about? Like, what, what, you fighting Bamas now? Like, what happened? You started a fight club in these last two months? Nah, I'm good. But as I have seen so many people rush to defend Will Smith, when it is clear Will Smith did such a, and, and shout out to Will Smith, my favorite movie is Bad Boys. This is not one of those people who don't like Will Smith. I'm not one of them. Shout out to Will Smith. Read his book. I like the brother. But let's not get it twisted. That was some of the biggest and most sucker shit I have ever seen in my life. What he did to Chris Rock in the Oscars. It's like inexcusable how much of a sucker move it was. And that so many people are like, hey man, shit, Will Smith did what he had to do. Will Smith, shout out to Will Smith, Will Smith don't play. I'm like, man, what the fuck? Who, who are y'all fathers? Who raised y'all? Because under no circumstance at all, given the full context of what happened, can anybody think that that was something that can be condoned? Let me address to you how I saw the quote slap heard around the world in real time. I'm watching Love Life season one with my girlfriend. We chilling, not even thinking about the Oscars. I don't know what's happening. Watching HBO Max, having a good old time. My homeboy, shout out to my guy Mark, sends me a text. He's like, yo, are you? did you see this at the Oscars? I'm watching Anna Kendrick running around New York City with her diverse cast of love, interests, and friends. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to stop this to watch about the Oscars. Mark, shout out to my brother. That's my man. I'm going to get to him a little bit later. That's what's going on in my head. So I continue to watch the show. Hell of a show, by the way. Shout out to season two of my guy Chidi from The Good Place. But season one, you know, is also very, very good. Then my girl gets a text from her sisters like, yo, she goes up, shows me this, leaves the room real quick, shows me like, babe, look at this. And I see Will Smith in a CNN article saying that he smacked Chris Rock. In fact, the first thing I see is Will Smith and I thought he punched him because there was a sound, it was like a pop. It didn't sound like a smack. It's a man who's been slapped, not by a man, but by women plenty of times in my life. I have a pretty good idea of what a slap sounds like. That didn't sound like a slap, but I thought he punched him. And so then I see the video, then I read this article on CNN and they're saying, yo, Will Smith rushed to the stage and smacked Chris Rock because his wife was being insulted and she has this disease. And I, this is my ignorance. A, I did not know that Jada Pinkett Smith had a disease. B, I see the disease, right? I see the name listed and the fact that it's listed. I'm thinking, oh shit, she may have cancer. Like, I didn't know. I listened to the joke that Chris Rock said about G.I. Jane. Initially, I laughed. I thought it was funny. It wasn't like the greatest joke of all time, but it was like, it was like a little silly little jab. And then the people's reaction to it, they show Jada, she's rolling her eyes. You see Will, he laughing. I'm thinking, oh, okay, Chris Rock's against some shit off. Whatever, whatever. I ain't think nothing of it. And there are plenty of threads on social media to talk about how it was disrespectful to black women and disrespectful to women and it's abusive. And 
I apologize. That's, that could be a genuine blind spot for me. I didn't think Chris Rock saying the G.I. Jane line was insensitive given my ignorance to what Jada Pinkett had been going through. I had no idea that she had a disease. And again, I when I read the article, I'm thinking it's super serious, right? So I'm like, okay, shit. He's making a joke. This is a sensitive topic. Her health could be in, in, at risk. Will Smith goes up there. I didn't hear the screaming and the cursing afterwards. He smacks Chris Rock, walks off the stage. I'm like, okay. I mean, that's wild. That's super inappropriate. That's a, a way out of line. But, yo, your wife is dealing with some health issues. Bomb. I later come to find out that the disease that Jada Pinkett, this is not to dismiss or diminish anybody, what anyone is going through, but it's more, uh, I guess, cosmetic in nature. It doesn't like, um, it does, it's not a risk at, of, of life or limb, right? Again, not trying to be insensitive. I'm just trying to show you guys, walk you how I'm learning in real time. So when I hear that, okay, this is a disease, but it's not like something that is going to be paralyzing. It's not something that's going to cost you life. It's not going to, it's, it's literally, you know, you lose your hair. And again, I, I can empathize with women in their hair. I'm a bald man. It ain't mean nothing to me to shave my head. But I also know that in this world, in our society specifically, we give women way too much hell about hell, about every little thing. So I'm not blind to that. But then I start thinking more and more. So then I'm like, okay, well, Will Smith is laughing initially at the joke. Will Smith is a comedian. Will Smith has been to roasts. Will Smith has roasted other people. Will Smith has been to award shows, and I don't watch award shows, but I know every single award show, whether it's the Oscars, the Golden Globes, the Source Awards, or the ESPYs, the hosts, they go on everybody in the audience. That's just, that's how we have crafted award shows in our society. That he would walk up on stage and swing on another man is crazy to me. It's crazy to me. And it's insane to me. That y'all Bama's out there, not y'all listening to this podcast. No, 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 not you guys. But all the mother Bama's think that this is somehow something worthy to heap praise upon. Dog, you don't have to be into hip hop or the Will or the Smiths deep enough to know that over the last handful of years or so, there's been some real disrespectful stuff to come out towards Jada Pickett Smith. You feel me? It be some real disrespectful stuff, not just from uh, once kind of popping R&B singers or musicians. It's been like from a lot of bombs. I remember being in high school. I'm 39 years old, so you can imagine how long ago that is. I'm in high school. I remember Bama's rapping about Jada Pinkett because Jada Pinkett Smith is a beautiful woman. She's been beautiful. She still is beautiful. She's gorgeous. Will Smith ain't pop shit. I remember Eminem talking shit. Eminem, this motherfucker ain't, you feel me? Uh, Gennady Golovkin. You understand? <laughs> he ain't uh, Terrence Crawford. He ain't Sugar Ray Robinson. God bless the dead. He ain't none of that. Eminem, phenomenal rapper. 
Eminem was popping shit, to, shit at uh, Will Smith and his family. Will Smith ain't do shit. There is a real life man who slept with his wife, told the whole world about it, to the point that he and his wife had to go on their internet show and discuss it. Talking mad shit about your wife. You ain't do shit. That became so popular that all these other rappers are starting to use Jada in their rhymes. Entanglement. Will Smith ain't done shit. But you gonna act like you the toughest guy in the room to Chris Rock, who made a G.I. Jane joke? Whether you think the joke was funny, inappropriate, or not. Let's break down this for a second. Maybe many of you all are not old enough to remember the movie G.I. Jane. G.I. Jane is about a woman who enlists in the military, and because of that, she had to shave her head because she's going to basic training. You get it. At the time, the movie was, I don't remember, I saw it a long, long time ago, but it was about strength and woman empowerment, something that probably would have played far better today than in the time in which the movie was dropped. But because it was so revolutionary at the time, it's almost like, yo, look at what they went through to put this movie out back then when it wasn't a Me Too. When the waters, though still way too uncomfortable for women, much better now than it was in the mid to late 90s. I think we all can agree with that, right? The term G.I. Jane is a symbol, at least in my perspective, an outsider, I'm not a woman, but from my perspective, one of like strength and beauty because the woman who played G.I. Jane was Demi Moore. I don't know, again, how old any of you are. Demi Moore is a beautiful woman. We can't act like, so G.I. Jane, the movie is about strength and it's played by this gorgeous woman, Demi Moore, which then amp amplifies, like, yo, Demi Moore shaved her head to play this role. Cause she's a gorgeous. You understand? Jada Pinkett Smith is drop dead gorgeous. Jada Pinkett Smith has been gorgeous since a different world, bro. That's 30 some odd years ago. I get being sensitive about a disease or an ailment. I do. I genuinely do. But the reaction that Will Smith had, that's not adding up, bro. You can't say crack a joke on fucking Christoph Porzingis, who's 7'6", and calling him short. You can't call crack a joke on Usain Bolt saying the brother's slow. Everybody, everybody who got eyes know Christoph Porzingis is tall. Everybody who got eyes know that Usain Bolt is fast. And everybody who has eyes know that cracking a joke about Jada Pinkett Smith's looks is silly because this woman is absolutely drop-dead gorgeous. You can be offended. You can be annoyed. You can be perturbed. Jada Pinkett Smith clearly don't rock with Chris Rock. The moment Chris Rock said that joke, she rolled her eyes. The funny thing is, Will Smith, Fresh Prince, he laughing and smiling. How the fuck do we go from you smiling 
to you going up on stage smacking Chris Rock, but even more than that, listen to that Bama. I don't know if y'all heard the audio clip. I'm sure by now you have. This Bama's screaming, keep my name's wife out your fucking mouth. Just yelling, screaming, acting, carrying on. Dog, stop it. You want to be like, keep my wife's name out your effing mouth to Chris Rock? After all the stuff people been saying about your wife? Dog, are you serious? So y'all Bamas, not y'all listening to this show, but all them other Bamas who like touting Will Smith and you, know, you got to protect your family, man. Yeah, you don't play with that. Yeah, Dog, shut the fuck up, bro. You don't get to pick and choose when you want to protect your family. If you want to be the Bama, be like, yo, don't play with my family. Don't keep my wife's name out your mouth. If that's how you're going to carry it, I got no problem with you. Bung. Do you? But you can't pick and choose when you want to do it. And if you want to do it to the least threatening person imaginable, dog, I'm looking at you crazy. There have been a whole bunch of sickos saying wild stuff about your wife that I know you've heard. You ain't running up on people then. Why are you doing it now? And why do Bama think that's something to celebrate? That don't mean Will Smith's protecting his family. That don't mean Will Smith is standing tall or he's somehow a solid brother. If you go to the weakest target, dog, if I'm chilling in my home and real live wolves and sickos are out blicking and busting shots at my house, and I'm just like, do, 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 not saying anything. And then a few years later, some little kid come up with a water gun and spray me. And then I want, I'm ready to unleash all holy hell. That's not me standing tall. That's not me being solid. That's me being a fucking sucker. And if anybody think what Will Smith did is somehow honorable, guess what? You a fucking sucker too. That's some, some, dog, that's some of the lamest shit I've ever seen in my life. I'm old. I'm old. The game is different for me now. I readily admit, but I have no idea how people can see that and think that's somehow honorable. You going after Chris Rock? Go after the Bama who, who made you talk about you and your wife's entanglement and marital agreements. You crazy to me. Dog, that makes no sense. And it's not just August Alcina talking about your wife. There have been so many rappers who have talked about your wife, but you want Chris Rock to keep her name out your mouth? And brother, brother, you understand you carrying on like that is actually going to make more people put her name in their mouths. You putting Jada in the middle of some shit that you ain't comfortable with. And we all know what time it is, bro. I'm sure Jada Pinker from Baltimore. I don't think she really rocked Will like that anyway. But that's just me. But everybody who got any bit of inclination, though, oh, he feeling away. He he don't measure up to Tupac. Jenny Pickett probably looked at that motherfucker like you disgust me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You disgust me. Tupac would have never. And Will got the barrier in his back, thinking, okay, well, shit, I ain't say nothing for all these years about August and all these other rappers, but I can say something about Chris Rock. Man, you better sit your motherfucking ass down. This ain't even an angry man segment. I'm just angry. I like Chris Rock. Chris Rock's one of my favorite comedians ever. 
We could talk about his ass too. He was a hell of a professional. God bless. Did a great job. Did not disrespect the academy. All that's fine and good. He got to live for the rest of his life knowing that the fresh parents walked up, smacked his ass, and he ain't do shit else. Dog, are you serious? And I get it. He ain't built like that. I get it. He ain't built like that. You got the microphone. You funny as fuck. Fry his ass. Oh. I'm weak. Because I would have put all types of hands and feet all on Will Smith. And I had the microphone. I would have whooped his ass, talk shit at the same time. And when he got his Oscar, I would have made sure everybody saw his eyes was black, the nose was all broke. And I was the motherfucker that did it. Now Chris Rock is going to go on in infamy. This moment may define his career, his illustrious career. You will see Chris Rock 10 years now. Are you going to think of Everybody Hates Chris? Are you going to think of Bigger and Blacker? Are you going to think of the Chris Rock show? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? All these hilarious comedy specials you put on. Or are you going to think of, oh man, Will Smith smacked the shit out of you and you were stuttering shit. Oh. Oh. God bless that man. I know he's sick. I know he is sick. I know he got two girls. I don't know if he has any younger children. You go out, your children looking at you, man, you can't protect me. You gonna get smacked and you gonna eat that shit. You got any boys, you know you tell them, hey man, if anybody put their hands on you, you make sure you defend yourself. They probably look at you like, dog, don't tell me that shit. They smacked you in front of the entire world and you just ate it, ate it, stuttering. He got to eat that shit for the rest of his life. That can't feel good. But I don't want to make this about Chris Rock. Chris Rock ate it. That's fucked up. Will Smith? That shit won't about somebody saying your wife's name. We got evidence, real live evidence that Bama's been saying your wife's name for a long time. You ain't said shit. You out here screaming and hollering at the Oscars, dog. You may lose your Oscar. You crazy. And y'all, it's not y'all. Some of these Bama's are defending Will Smith for slapping Chris Rock. Game different, bro. If you want to, again, let me make this perfectly clear. If you are the type of person that's like, yo, if you say anything to my wife, if you say anything about my children or my family, we are going to have problems. And you are consistent on that. I've got nothing wrong with you. Because at least you playing it 100. You can't be, I'm protecting my family. Don't disrespect my wife. If 99% of the time, Everybody else can say shit about him. And you gonna smile and be like, hey man, I'ma jump off this, you know, I'm bungee jumping and I'm traveling the world and, and uh, look at my Nat Geo TV show. You know, God bless Will Smith. But don't be like, hey man, keep my wife's name out your mouth. Everybody's talking about your wife. And let me end it on this, because this is real. We having fun, we cracking jokes. I'm trying to, I'm trying to drop some gems, but I will say this. I will say this. 39 years old, and in my 39 years, I've seen a lot of shit. Done some dumb shit too. Been in some shit, but I've seen a lot of shit. 
And one thing that I have seen without fail, without fail, is that when Bama start talking that shit, like they the hardest dude in the room, like they Billy Badass, they don't play. Mr. Don't Play, when you start talking that and start believing that and start putting that energy out there and you start carrying on like, yo, I'm badass, I'm I'm a smack bombers, keep my family name out your wife, and you start doing all that, Slim, it's like you turn on the bat signal. Chris Rock ain't built like that. It's clear as day. Before the slap, everybody, you could have known that Chris Rock ain't going to do nothing, but they are motherfuckers who will. And Will Smith turns that bat signal on, letting people know, hey, keep my wife's name out your mouth. Hey, I don't play. Hey, I'll slap you. Hey, keep my wife's name out your fucking mouth. All that tough guy talk, them wolves, them goons out there, they some real live sickos out there, and they smell that shit. They see the signal. Will Smith has all the security in the world, so it may not land on him, but I promise you, I'd be willing to bet so much money People will try him and they will try his family. Don't think Jada ain't coming up in some rhyme soon. Some little motherfucker, one of them mumble raps, one of them littles out there, you feel me? One of the battles with them blonde dreadlocks and shit. One of them uh, drill rappers. Y'all know the young battles, God bless. I, I assure you, I assure you, Jada Pickett Smith's name is being rapped as we speak. He got security, so maybe people won't try him and get very far, but they will try him. And I'm not really saying this to Will. I'm saying this to y'all and some of the people who are supporting Will. Be careful with that shit. Be careful with what you say and how you carry yourself when you start feeling yourself because it has happened 100% of the time without fail. You start talking that talk, you start feeding into this, I'm the hardest in the room, the mother hard motherfuckers will try you. You're giving off a scent and Bama's will get to you because they are Bama's out there real life with the shits. It ain't always going to be Chris Rock out there. If you're not ready for that, if that's not you, stop trying to put forth that energy. Will Smith ain't no super hard motherfucker. And what you really doing is putting your loved ones in harm's way. You don't want people saying your wife's name. Y'all could have just left. You felt a way about that joke. Y'all could have just left. Imagine how powerful your, um, your frustrations with that joke would land, not only with Chris Rock, but with the Academy and the audience. If the man who would win Best Actor walked up out of there because his wife was made fun of. Imagine that power. Imagine how that land. Imagine the narrative where Chris Rock is having to apologize for being insensitive about a woman who is dealing with something. If y'all just walked out, the best actor didn't wasn't there to accept his award. You out there making a fool of yourself and your family screaming about your wife's name. You only making more Obama's going to say her name. You gonna smack all of them? I know you not. What did he do? Really? Except make an ass out of himself and embarrass another man and bring more heat onto your wife. 
and y'all and some of y'all Bama's out there celebrating him. Fuck out of here. I know y'all Bama's can't fight. <laughs> I know it. Cause that's not the shit you do. If you could fight, you ain't putting hands on Chris Rock unless you had put your hands on at least 87 other motherfuckers before, including August Alcina. You feel me? Out here. And shout out to Mike Lowry. It's a huge award, a huge accomplishment. You won Best Actor. You may lose that motherfucker, but you won it. God bless. Congratulations. This should be a night of celebration. But you out here showing yourself ass, letting the whole world know you ain't built like that, and you probably did one of the biggest sucker moves I ever seen in my life. Congrats. <laughs> All right, guys, you heard the horn. That means we are done with the first half, and it feels so good to be back. Hopefully, you guys have enjoyed the show thus far. Remember, stay engaged with me. See me on Twitter, Armon, A-R-M-O-N underscore Lee. Hit me up anytime about anything there, or you can go to the show's page at Quarterly Show, Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E Show, or you can email me at QuarterlyReport at gmail.com. Again, Quarterly, we spell here Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E Show. All right, we talked about the national championship game in the first quarter. We talked about Will Smith embarrassing himself in a celebrity kind of feud in the second. So why not put them together? We've seen wild brackets. I damn near had the final four correct, except for UCLA. I'm feeling myself a bit. But I would have never been able to have a bracket of Chris Rock and Will Smith at the Oscars getting on in the tussle. So, with the spirit of the NCAA tournament, the spirit of the Oscars and WrestleMania, we're going to throw it all in the pot together, and I'm going to give you the bracket rundown, okay, of how it would look if it was a celebrity tournament to see which combination of celebrities and rich folk would make it onto a grand stage and make a complete ass out of themselves and everyone who loves them. Take a listen. Hey, Chris, did you watch last night? Yeah, man, I wouldn't have missed it for the world. I can't believe Will Smith won Celebrity March Madness. Completely ruined my brackets, now. Yeah, talk about a dark horse. Who saw Chris Rock making this type of run? Oh, for sure. I just knew it was going to be Kanye versus Pete Davidson in the championships. Yeah, bro, that would have been wild. I wish Pete would have beat Kanye's ass. But honestly, I haven't watched much entertainment this year. So I just picked my choices off of wardrobe, you know what I'm saying? My final four was Billy Porter, Tim Duncan, ASAP Rocky, and Lizzo. Damn, cuz, your bracket was done before the first weekend was over. Dead ass, man. I, you don't even have to be a college basketball fan to get wrapped up in the March Madness. Like, it's, it's as if a bracket makes everything better. Like, imagine if we used a bracket for everything. You know what I'm saying? Like, imagine if you used a bracket over who at your job, you know what I'm saying, would be fired first. Or what type of food you're going to eat this weekend. Like, the, the possibilities are literally endless. People who do not watch college basketball at all will get wrapped up into a tournament. And the only thing that differentiates itself from regular season and the postseason beyond win or go home is a bracket. And everyone can fill one out. It, it's truly one of the most beautiful things and one of the more dumbfounding things that we do in sports. But it works. I'm not a why guy. I don't ask the question why very much. I have no fucking clue. 
why a bracket makes everybody go nuts. But it works. You feel me? Imagine if you had 64 entertainers or actors or musicians, whatever the case may be, and you were to say, yo, at the championship of entertainment, which would be either the Oscars or the Grammys, right? Let's just say for argument's sake, which happened one week separated between the two. That two celebrities would go on center stage and compete similar to the way that Will Smith and Chris Rock competed in the smack herd around the world. Imagine the fun, like, hey, you know what's going to happen. There's going to be one, there's going to be two people who are going to get it on in front of the world. And you just had 64 picks and you were to be like, hey, you know what? I've got Will Smith smacking the dog shit out of Chris Rock in front of the world. How much better would the Oscars be? I mean, Will Smith smacking Chris Rock in the face made the Oscars probably more relevant than it's been in God knows how long. Imagine if everybody watching movies had a bracket. Dead ass, Joe. Imagine at the beginning of every year, you get a bracket. And you're like, yo, somebody, some entertainer, two entertainers, they're going to do some shit where it's going to be a, a spectacle. And you get to pick who, and you break. Dog. It's silly, but I'm being kind of serious, Joe. It would make everything better. Give me an instance where a bracket would not significantly, vastly improve the situation. I'm finna just put brackets in, in my life randomly. You feel me? Like, yo, next job I take, I'm gonna put it in a bracket, then bong, 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 bong. Whoever wins, that's where I'm going. You feel me? I'm dead at vacation spots. Give me 64 options. Bong, 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 bong. And I'm gonna pick one. I'm just gonna make everything better. Brackets. You heard it here first. Anyway, back to the show. You feel me? We made our halftime adjustments. I'm, I'm giving you my best Bill Self impersonation, man. You know, I... Though, to be fair, I ain't going to be down 15 points. You understand? Like, I, th I, think, I think we got good momentum, but I'm not trying to be Hubert Davis. I've got one skin tone. You feel me? So we're going to go straight for the second half. We're going to try to close the show up strong with these next two quarters starting. Well, actually sticking in Hollywood, right? Because one of my favorite shows look like they, they may be losing a little bit of steam. I'm going to give you my opinion, my impressions of season five thus far of FX's Snowfall. So our third quarter. Third quarter. I believe this is season five of a show that, man, it started off so great. Had to deal with some obviously unforeseen tragedies that could have uh, diverted. And I think it's fair to say that Snowfall took a step back last season. But they were in the midst of dealing with the pandemic and their writer-creator, the late great John Singleton, God bless the dead, had a tragic um, death that could have, could have really, really just stopped all the momentum. Those first three seasons of Snowfall are so good. It's layered. It's dynamic. It has all of these different interesting angles and characters. And with a year and a half since the passing, the tragic passing of Mr. Singleton, I think it's fair to say, yo, to ask at least where is this show going and how long does this show still have? Like how much good TV is still left in this this show? I ain't going to lie, y'all. I ain't going to lie. When Frank and Oso were locked in a cage, sitting beside a caged tiger, I was like, this show has jumped the shark. <laughs> Two weeks ago, 
three weeks ago, whenever it was, when I saw the show end and uh, the old guy shoots them with blow darts and they wake up and the show ends with them in a cage sitting beside a tiger, I was like, damn, they have gone too far. It's too much to reel them back in. I still don't know what they were trying to accomplish with that. But I digress. The season has been promising with the tiger being the lone exception. I like what they're kind of doing. I enjoy this show still. The first three years was such a fun. It was so great that it's hard for me just a year and a half removed to be like, ah, it's over. I'm not there yet. And they have ways to really, really kind of spin this thing moving forward, make it even better. I think it's clear that we all know some things are going to happen, though. Jerome. Jerome's one of my favorite characters in the show. This ain't a spoiler, but his ass is about to die. Ain't nothing happened to him yet, but it's clear. That foundation, me and my old partner and colleagues, we were talking about it at the beginning of the season. I mean, the first episode. Oh, okay. I see where this is about to go. God bless. And I like Jerome, man. I like Jerome. But this ain't something that we can't see. Peaches, I mean, I think they had something. I think I think they could have utilized that character more, particularly if he has HIV, which I think most of us probably believe. But all of this stuff, we really didn't know much about Peaches. He was just muscle. And now all of a sudden you're saying, oh, man, he was a, he'd been a junkie. He had his double life. It took money. I'm like, come on. That was a quality character that you could have tapped into more instead of trying to force all of this at the end of this season. But I don't want to just talk about the negative things. I like what they're doing with this Buckley character, the dirty cop. This is something that if they had a little bit more foresight, you could have like sown the weeds, like sown, shown the planting of the seed, right? Louis trying to build up, like, the, the thing I loved about Snowfall and the thing I love about so many like great shows is that it's never, oh, here's this brand new character who has this super in-depth backstory. And we're trying to show you how important and how significant this character was as opposed to actually having that, that character and their, their growth develop. And I know it's unfair. Y'all know me. I'm, I'm, I'm a true lover of The Wire. It's one of the reasons why I love The Wire so much. There really wasn't a character that just jumped out of nowhere. You're like, oh, shit. Bunny Colvin was a big, important character. You saw his development. Cuddy was a character who was important, but he wasn't important when you first saw Cuddy. The only person who you... Even Brother Muzon. Brother Muzon had a rep, but you didn't know how important he was until a whole ass season later. And then that was it from him. You know, I, I shoot him bail with Kane. Kane's the brother. He was locked. He was Kale's brother. He's locked. Cool. You get it, right? You couldn't have seen him. But Teddy's woman friend, like this, all this other stuff. Like, come on, bro. Franklin, last time we see him before this season, he had Mel's church in Texas, something out flexing. And then the next time we see him, which is apparently six months later, he's got a whole new woman. She's pregnant. I'm like, bro, your nose is getting open like that? No wonder you find yourself in all these situations. Man, I, I enjoy Snowfall. I enjoy the show. I really, really do. 
But we just, it's, it's starting to feel like, man, we run out of things to do. Franklin always a sucker for love. Franklin always got heat on him. Franklin always think he the smartest guy in the room. There's always beef between Teddy and Franklin. You know what I'm saying? It's like, now we doing shit where Kevin's brother, and I'm cool with this, but think about it. Kevin dies in season two? Season three? Season two? And now we rehashing this. There was a little bit of beef between Louie and Frank last season. They don't really... And again, again, I'll shoot them some bail. You're going to let it kind of build. There was a dirty cop last season that Franklin had to take care of. Now there's a dirty cop this season that Louis is he, he get me? They after Franklin was shot at the end of season three, you think that you're gonna you start to see kind of like the, the bubbling of the gang violence and like how some of these gang gangs and the divisions within these gangs are 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 are, are met and carved out. We didn't even really touch much of that. You see breads and blues for sure. But I'm thinking they really gonna dive into it. Nope. I was I was excited about Peaches because I think most of us thought that, you know, Peaches at the beginning of the season, he's sniffling, he's saying, I'm not feeling well. You know, it's like, okay, this is the mid to late 80s. HIV is going on. I'm thinking that they're going to get into some real, real important discussions and some real deep commentaries. And it's real interesting storylines that could have come from one of the most important, hardest characters on the show having HIV. How are you going to address that? How are you going to unpack that? And they're like, no, we don't even want to touch that. Because of a fucking tiger? Also's character, the beginning of the show, talking about how the, the dangers of the Latin gangs and the black gangs. We did all that early on in this show. We ain't really touched that since. The, the, the foundation of this show is so rich. And again, John Singleton isn't just some ordinary guy. God bless the dead. He was such a talented visionary. His resume speaks for itself. Whether you've seen Snowfall or not, you hear John Singleton, Boys in the Hood. Oh. Right? Just watch the first three seasons, and then you look at these last two, and you're like, okay, wow. There was a there was a significant shift there. And that speaks to his greatness for sure. But they, he didn't leave this show, this world with that show in a debt, in a deficit. This show had, has still all of the makings to be great. And I still love the show. I still watch it. I still get entertained because I'm, I'm connected. I'm invested into these characters, but man, if y'all were to tell me next season is the last year of Snowfall, I'd be like, okay, I get it. Not that I want it, but I get it. Because at some point, like the whispers that we all had last year, they're getting a little bit louder. Right? We all can see it. We all can feel it. It doesn't necessarily feel the best because it's a show that you've enjoyed for so long, but you're like, okay. You know, like we all looking around. It's like when you had a car that you love, but you got to always take it to the shop. It's always squeaking out. The transmission is getting the worse. Suspension is all jacked up. Is everything bouncing? You know, oh, it's time. You had the dog that you love and it's really, really old and he's, he's not doing the same thing. He like, can't get up the stairs. 
He doesn't want to go on those walks anymore. He just lays down all the time. He's not happy when you see, you know, he's whimpering a lot. It's tough. But looking at the trajectory of this show now, again, I think we all can see that Jerome's going to die. This ain't anything that's going to take anybody by surprise. Somebody needed, when you have these type of shows, real live shows about real life situations, drug, the drug game. At some point, pieces have to start getting moved off the board because it's not realistic. I thought they were going to do that with Louie, but the fact that it was a pump fake last year with Louie, yeah, Alton died, but that won't even like, he died in Cuba. You feel me? Like, none of their real, real soldiers, like, man, boy, won't real. Like, he was a, an ancillary piece. But, like, nobody true to the core of Franklin's team, with the exception of Kevin, who was killed by Franklin, has gone. Nobody who's an intricate part of his core team. Really? This man has no losses? Really? Does that seem real to you? It's one of the, again, and this is why I don't compare any show to The Wire. You can't. And in the first season, Avon gets locked up. Bird died. Weebay got locked up. Second season, D'Angelo dies. Boom. Third season, Stringer dies. You want to know why? Drug dealers die. It ain't no other way around it. This is what happens. Last season, Snoop dies. Omar dies. This happens. There ain't no, no happy ending. I don't think that it's too late for this show to turn things back and right the ship. But man, I don't want to see no more tigers. <laughs> you know, I don't want to see no more tigers. I don't know if I got another uh, circus animal in me in Snowfall which is set in Los Angeles. You feel me? Here's hoping that they get things back on track. But if not, we always had those first three seasons. Hey, y'all, let me know what you guys think about Snowfall. It's still one of my favorite shows. Again, I can't turn my back on those first three years, and I'm still going to watch every Wednesday night. But how do you like Snowfall? And if you haven't seen Snowfall, why haven't you? Have, have anything that you've heard negatively impacted that? Let me know. All of the details, email me at quarterlyreport at gmail.com or tweet at me at Armon underscore Lee. That's A-R-M-O-N underscore Lee. All right, guys, three quarters are now in the books, which means we are down to our fourth and final topic this week. This extremely bizarre rivalry that just kind of came out of nowhere between Kevin Durant and Nick Wright. It's our fourth and final topic this week. Fourth quarter. I vividly remember the first time I had the idea of starting this podcast. Oddly enough, it's well, well, well before the first podcast was ever started. It took me so long to start it. I was still very, very young man, like 22 years old when I had the idea, oh, I want to do a podcast. And there were so many ideas that I had running around, like how it would look, how it would be, the format, I knew I wanted to do something different, but this is how long it was. 
This is before first take. This is back when it was still called cold pizza. And I love the debate segments between Woody Page and Skip Bayless. That's how long ago it's been. It's a completely different place in my life. My daughter wasn't even close to being born, let alone thought of. Again, young, 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 young man. But as life evolves and as we grow and mature, things change. I used to love the debate format, the embrace debate segments. I used to love it. And there's still a part of me that if I'm not being recorded, if I'm not quote unquote on, I can sit down and have these discussions, but I've grown so tired of them. My girlfriend talks to me about, you know, one of her big inspirations being Toni Morrison. And I'm paraphrasing here. There's a quote that Toni Morrison said, God bless the dead. She's like, yo, you have to write the, the book that you want to see, that you want to read. You have to write the stories that interest you. That's kind of what this podcast is. I don't know if any of y'all who listen to it are truly engaged. I hope you are. I like to believe that you are. But I made this podcast because I felt the void of what I wanted to hear. I'm so sick of the debates. I'm so sick of the 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 just manufactured drama. There's so much stuff that's interesting to me. I, and you guys have known this, if you listen to this podcast at, at, at any length, what's going on in Utah between Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell, that fascinates me. Why we as a society of basketball fans overrate points per game when we understand that it, without context, that means nothing. That fascinates me. The sport of boxing getting in its own way with their clear fights that would make so much money, massive amounts of money that don't get made. That annoys me, but fascinates me as well. All of these topics... And every time I turn on the television or turn on the radio, it's about Jordan versus LeBron. Tom Brady and Bruce Arians and Bill Belichick and all the stuff. And now when I scroll on Twitter, I don't follow Skip Bayless. I have no interest in that. Stephen A. Smith, I think some of the, the cartoonish stuff that he does is funny. But I don't, God bless that man. No disrespect to either of them. But I don't go to him for insight. And this, that's not a disrespect. I want to make sure this is perfectly clear. I'm at the age now. I'm almost 40, bro. Shout out to Mike Gundy. <laughs> you know, I, I want to learn. I want to tell me something that I don't know. Pique my interest. I ain't trying to hear people yell all the time anymore. So there was a time... Not that long ago, where this guy, this young up-and-coming kid from Q's, very bright, you know, small-looking guy, but very bright, smart, came on the scene. He was always around Colin Coward, <clears throat> and he made it clear he was not trying to do business as usual when it came to sports conversations and sports analysis. And it was, at the time, a very... A, a, a breath of fresh air. It's a very, very, um, I don't know, very refreshing voice in the in a very annoying and 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 redundant and 
really unimaginative sports atmosphere. The guy's name was Nick Wright. And I'm talking about when he first came onto the scene. I was like, okay. He's obviously a big fan of LeBron, but it balances itself out. It's not like, you know, again, I like LeBron James, and I know Nick Wright has gotten real crazy over the years, but I'm talking about when he started. I'm talking about when he started. Guys from Syracuse, who obviously he's a bright guy. Guys from Syracuse, who obviously he has all the tools to be a great journalist. Let's just be simple. Let's be call a fact, call a spade a spade. Don't care what you think about that. Pro- There's no denying. One of the greatest journalism schools this country has ever produced, and they do it every year. Just look at the resume. Look at the people who've come out. You don't need to do it that long. No matter what you feel about Nick Wright, let's not act like this brother is not smart. Let's not act like this guy doesn't know what he's doing. And in, in, in the midst of the Colin Cowherds and the Skip Baylesses and the Stephen A. Smiths and the, the Mad Dog Russos and you know all of the people now, it's just everywhere you go. When he first came on the scene, I was like, cool, I like this guy. He's different. He appreciates data. Oh, my God. Like, imagine that. Someone who loves the NBA who actually talks about data. Can you imagine my excitement? From what you all know about me, imagine my excitement about someone talking intelligently about the NBA, and it's not about the dog. It's not about clutch gene. It's like, okay, let's look at what this person has done in the clutch. It's so funny, man. I think we just forget how ridiculous NBA discussion can be and literally was. We lived in a time when people thought LeBron James was not clutch. When, when he was, at the time people were saying this, among the most clutch players ever. (laughs) You feel me? So I'm like, yes, this is what we want. More New progressive thinking, new ways of talking, new ways of understanding. I don't have to always agree with you to be like, yo, but I appreciate that you even have the space to communicate. Then it gets his own show, man. This is the thing I worry. Look, I'm not putting the cart before the horse. I may not ever. This podcast may literally just be for the few hundred people who listen to it regularly. And if it is... God, I love y'all. I genuinely do because I love doing this. I love doing this show. And I I really, really appreciate anybody, whether it's just for 10 minutes, if you listen to me talk. Because I'm nobody. You feel me? I'm just a regular guy. But I hope, I worry that if, let's say, wildest dreams come true and the right person listens to this show at the right time and I get some, I get on, right? Man, I hope I don't turn up to act brand new. I really don't. I really hope that I can stay true, man, because I'm watching, I'm scrolling through Twitter. And like I said, years ago, eight, eight, ten, however long it was, I, I was following Nick Wright. I had to stop following, following him because of the way he talked about the Chiefs. And I get it. He's from Kansas City. But man, I think it's nasty when people who have their own show are so much in the bag for their team to where, I mean, Nick Wright was talking about Patrick Mahomes, like he's Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. Like he can't lose. Off the one year, the Super Bowl where he didn't play that well the whole game. You understand? That was like, come on, bro. Let's have a little bit of balance. 
Don't get too carried away. Don't get too far ahead of yourself. And that, the, the Patrick Mahomes stuff. And again, I get it. If you're a Chiefs fan, yo, we win a Super Bowl. This guy looks like a generational talent. I believe him to be. I get why you can get swept away. And call me old-fashioned. But I felt like that's a little nasty. So I had to, I had to fall back. But I didn't have a, 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 a negative visceral reaction. But you can imagine my surprise that the guy who I look to making his claim as being the anti-Skip Bayless on Fox Sports, mind you. The guy who's looking to be a very much numbers-driven stat guy. And now it's as if he's picking a fight with Kevin Durant. And I know that I've seen some of the tweets. He was like, oh, man, I'm, I'm so negative about Kevin Durant. I called him a god. Like, we can, hey, stop it, Joe. Like, I ain't into the semantics. Bama's know what they're doing. You feel me? Bama's know what they're doing. Kevin Durant is culpable in this as well. Kevin Durant is one of the greatest basketball players of all time. You can legit make a case. I think a strong one. He's a top 10 player ever. He don't need to be going back and forth with Nick Wright or some fans, but that's how he wants to get down. I love KD. KD, one of my favorite players ever. So I, you ain't never going to hear me say something crazy about KD. I get it. That's how he wants to handle business. That's how he's going to handle business. I'm scrolling. I'm seeing the back and forth between Kevin Durant and Nick Wright. And I'm like, man, what the fuck is happening? Like, is this... Is this where the sports, and this is a stupid question because clearly it is. Skip Bayless is among the most successful, recognizable, wealthy sports personalities ever. Powerful. He had a long career before first take. He criticized a lot of athletes before LeBron. This man wrote a book saying how he thought Troy Aikman was gay. Not that there's anything wrong with being gay. Please hear me when I say this. That's just so reckless to talk about any athlete's sexuality in your book. Ain't nobody's place to talk about anybody else's sexuality. If an athlete is gay, let them come out if that's what they want to do. You understand how wild that shit is? Violating for decades. Rip T.O., Allen Iverson, Tracy McGrady. It was so many athletes that he just go in a shack. It was, didn't matter. But he hit a lick when he got LeBron. Skip Bayless hit the ultimate lick when it came to LeBron. And it was so, it was ridiculous how so many people just ran with that shit. People talk shit about Skip Bayless, but check their receipts. Because while it's easy to talk shit about him now, there were a lot of Bama saying echoing the same foolishness that he was about. Truly, one of the absolute best players ever. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? It was that foolish. That changed the game. That in and of itself changed how we view, how we talk, how we watch sports and it has grown upon itself and now it's just nasty 
is just so nasty. So now we're in a time where Nick Wright, who in my eyes, when he came on the scene, was building himself up as the anti-Skip Bayless. I'm using numbers. I'm not talking in these wild spec. I mean, listen to the way Nick Wright talks about Nikola Jokic. Bro, you don't have to be John Wooden to know that Nikola Jokic is a phenomenal basketball player. What the fuck is happening? Nikola Jokic lost is, is playing without his second and third best teammates and the Nuggets are still maintaining. He's still playing better. He's now a defensive, elite defensive player. And Nick Wright is talking about, oh, well, if you like Nikola Jokic, it's only because the computers tell Stop it. Stop it. You from Syracuse are going to ridicule stats and data? Motherfucker. You feel me? So I'm taking the position as someone who looked at him when he came on the scene using stats and data as a breath of fresh air. Now he's on, he's got his own show, he's got some acclaim, he's doing his thing, he's successful, he's wildly popular. And now it's, I'm taking shots at Kevin Durant, and I'm saying the only case for Nikola Jokic's MVP argument is the computers tell me so. They said, what? I hope that when you see Bama's act brand new, this is, you know, I hope when you see Bama's act brand new, when they get some success, that just speaks to maybe who they are. Because I know that's not true. I know too many people who have been very, very successful after working, busting their ass. Shout out to my girl, Monica McNutt. Shout out to my brother, Travis Thomas. Two people, Travis just got a job in Boston. You gotta be living under a rock if you don't know what Monica's doing. Shout out to my guy, Sebastian Salas. There are people who have been putting in work and they stay true to who they are. So I know it's not, you have to do it. I know you don't have to switch up just because you get on. But it don't seem that it's not any less nasty though. You feel me? What is what on earth? What on earth would make Nick Wright thinks he should go back and forth with Kevin Durant? Not to say you can't defend yourself. And again, KD culpable too. I got no idea. I got no idea why KD feels the need to go back and forth with Nick Wright. I don't. Because ultimately, that's only going to add to Nick Wright. KD may just feel like, fuck it, I'm going to let it chop a sing. Boom, I'll do it. And Nick Wright's going to take that tweet on his TV show and he's going to build himself up. We've seen this before with Skip. Skip Ben, dog, I was, I was flabbergasted. And a black man don't ever say flabbergasted. But motherfucker, I was flabbergasted. <coughs> Skip Bayless used to call Chris Bosh Sporty Bosh. <laughs> you feel me? He was talking about this man's name as if he's a Spice Girl. And that motherfucker Chris Bosh went on first take. I sat there, was like, wait, what? Chris Bosh, Hall of Famer, NBA champion, one of the best players of his era, generation. He went on first take because a man was making fun of his name because he thought he played soft. 
I was like, what part of the game is this? I don't understand why Bama's do that. You feeding the beast. I rock when LeBron not just completely ignoring Skip Bayless. I know LeBron know who Skip Bayless is. I know he hear that shit. I know that shit probably irked him to his core. He ain't never talk. He ain't never said his name, bro. When Kyrie Irving went on first date because Max Kellerman was giving him shit, I was like, yo, what part of the game is this? And I rock with Max when he ain't talking basketball or football. <laughs> Actually, I rock with Max when he's talking boxing. I think that's the best way. I'm like, yo, how? what is this? I don't know, man. I, I, um, again, I do this show because I feel like there is a, a lack of sports discussion for me. I hope if you're listening to this show, you feel the same way. But when I see Nick Wright going back and forth with one of the greatest basketball players of all time, I'm like, man, how does this further intelligent dialogue? Bama's trying to get, you know, take shots in 140 characters. Dog, I'm grown. Shout out to Mike Gundy. I'm a man. I'm almost 40. I ain't trying to see Bama's go back and forth. Like, dog, the man who came into this league talking about how LeBron was underrated and providing stats is now the same man who's saying that Nikola Jokic is overrated by ignoring the same stats. That shit doesn't make sense. And I wonder... If this is what has to happen, or is this just the, the natural reaction to getting on? Nick Wright is far more successful, far more known now than he was when I enjoyed him. I hope that that doesn't have to be a natural correlation. I hope you can be successful and get better without literally doing the complete 180 on what got you in the position to get on. You feel me? Does that make sense? We talking sports. So journalism. This motherfucker went to Syracuse. So it's not like he don't know. Or it's not like that he couldn't that he couldn't have seen what to do. And if he's making the choice that Skip made, like fuck it, dog, I'm 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 gonna hit my lip. I'ma do whatever I need to do to get them commas. I bet. God bless. You make the decision you need to make. I don't have to rock with it, but I can understand it. I'm going to make my money. God bless. That's how you want to do it. I don't like that shit, though. You know? I'm watching. I'm scrolling through some of these things. I didn't even watch, look at the whole thing. And I'm like, man, wh where are we at, bro? Where are we at where this is a thing? Where we're getting on uh, Kevin Durant for being the second best player of all time. You can make the case that when Golden State was beating the Cavs, and I get it, Kevin Durant joined forces, all that shit, I get it. We've talked about it ad nauseum. You can make the case that KD was a better player than LeBron in, in at least one of those years, if not two. You can absolutely make that case. But even if he didn't, why are we in that position anyway? 
Is this where we are? Is this where the future of sports discussion and analysts is moving? Because if not, y'all going to hear way more of me on this podcast, in this realm, in this medium. Because that's that's like TikTok, bro. That's that's like, uh, you feel me? It's like some of these new rap, like that's, I can see it and I can appreciate why people would like it. I just can sit back and, uh, and, and relax and be like, that's just not for me. I can see why people like it. I can see why people continue to feed it. But I also know within myself, this shit's not for me. And unfortunately, when it comes to sports dialogue on the largest scale, I find myself saying that far too often. Hey, y'all. This has been the Quarterly Report Podcast. You know, again, I've been gone for a while. I really appreciate, even if it's just one of you who rolled with me or decided to click play on this show, thank you. I really, really appreciate it. But before I go, I must say God bless to the legendary. Rest in peace. Rest in paradise. Um, to the legend himself, Bruce Johnson, a little bit about myself. Um, I was a producer on Bruce's last show. So for basically a year of my life, I sat down before his retirement. I got to sit down and talk and, 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 and rap and have conversations with this legendary anchor who Bruce was a wild boy, but Bruce was fun. And Bruce knew his shit. And Bruce appreciated journalism. And he was 71. That man lived a hell of a life, bro. And I'm not talking about just career success or career and life-threatening positions. Like, he lived a full life. That man was blessed. He knew he was blessed. And he touched people. That man cared, bro. That man, there's some people who get on and it's like, oh man, you know what? I did my work. I, I put it in my bed. I'm going to kick my feet up. There was no legacy act there. That man cared. And Bruce, he rubbed people the wrong way. And he knew it. He knew it. But man, I grew so much as a producer, as a journalist with my time with Bruce Johnson. And I want to make sure, you know, I carved out some time to to really tell the world whether you in D.C. or not, whether you're familiar or not, man, there ain't that many Bruce Johnsons left. Whomever the Bruce Johnson is in your town, in your city, the person who knows the community, the person who has invested blood, sweat and tears. You know, like that's a those are those are legends of a bygone era. Seventy one years old, far too young. But man, he lived a hell of a life. And I, I just want to say thank you to Bruce for the time he poured into me. And I wanted to make sure anybody who was hearing my voice this week understood how important and significant that man was. Not to just the DC and the, the news industry, but to me in this position I am right now. So God bless. Pour one out to my guy, Bruce Johnson. All right, guys. Thank you for rocking with me this week on the show. It's been fun to be back. I'll be back maybe not next week, right? Doing some time with my daughter, some spring break. I'm going to try to put something out 
uh, maybe before I go. But if I'm not back next week, you can absolutely assure, be rest assured that I will be back very much close thereafter, the week after, for a brand new episode of the Quarterly Report Podcast. Thank you guys so much. 